This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. I never start off the show on a serious note like this, but rest in peace, Jake Ellinger. I had no idea who he was until seeing Sam get drafted while I was in Cleveland at the draft. I saw him get drafted and... I was just happened to look at Twitter and someone showed that NFL Network actually posted a pic of his brother, Jake. I had no idea he had a brother named Jake, Sam Ellinger. I had no idea his brother played for Texas. No idea. I had no idea who he was till about a week and a half ago. Or a week ago. And I was just I, I was just laughing. I was like, how you make that mistake if you're NFL Network? How you make that mistake? Man, we went from laughing at that to less than a week later, the kid died. The kid passed away, and uh, police found him. Police found him uh, dead off campus. And it was just sad, man. And then I heard that uh, Sam Ellinger lost his dad a few years ago. And I'm like. Damn, man. I just I just I just felt bad. I was hurt, man. I was like, I just found out who this kid was and now he he's gone? Dog, that's just I, I it's just life. It's it's sad, man. And you know, another thing is I've never seen Oklahoma and Texas fans come together like they have during this time and it just makes me proud um it just makes me proud of humanity it just gives me hope for humanity you know because i was like this that is just awesome man like it just shows that uh the game of life is bigger than football even though all year you know OU and texas fans some of us are cool with each other you know there's some texas accounts i found this year that, that are cool and that I follow and they follow me. But we still go back and forth on football topics all year long, 24-7, 365. But we, we came together. We we all came together this weekend, and it, it just moved me. It touched me, man. It was, that was something, man. It shows that we were people, and we really care. So rest in peace, Jake Ellinger. And it's it sad, you know, uh, the, the mother – uh, Jake and Sam's mom gotta go through Mother's Day after she just lost her son. I, I I don't know what to say. That's just awful, man. I don't know. I can't imagine that type of pain. But yeah, I mean, rest in peace, Jake Ellinger. And by the way, happy Mother's Day to all the the mothers out there. This is recorded on Mother's Day. Whether it comes, whether this comes out today, I don't know. If it comes out on Monday, that's cool too. Wow, it's just crazy, man. And then another thing is I found out that T.J. Oshie's dad passed away. Like, he passed, like, a day or the same day as the whole Rangers-Capitals brawl happened. And T.J. Oshie, see, I completely missed that when I did the last show. I forgot to mention that T.J. Oshie got a hat trick in the game where the Rangers and Capitals fought like for a whole period and throughout all the Tom Wilson fallout TJ Oshie got a hat trick 
right after his dad died. He was emotional, and he had a lot of support across the NHL, and especially on his team. And I found out yesterday that the players got to know his dad a little bit because they, they had a dad's trip. They do stuff with the dads. Uh, the NHL teams do that, and I think they do something with the moms too. That's pretty cool, you know. Um, that's a cool thing. But his dad passed, and that's sad, man. He just – the fact that he's just working through it, through this tough time, probably like his dad wanted, is is inspirational. And I just – my condolences to him as well. And the Rangers – and my condolences to the Rangers because you're gone, because you're out of the playoff. You're, you're out of playoff contention. You're making statements instead of winning games. Oh, and another thing I forgot, because this is a part two from last show. They fired their GM and team president. L. It got Cat fans joking that Tom Wilson ended the Rangers. And he did. He ended the Rangers. Or did he? I mean, I think it was probably a long time in the making. I mean, I haven't heard of the Rangers doing anything since I've been out of OU. And I've been away from OU on... Friday, it would be it will be officially five years since I graduated from OU. Time flies. But anyway, Rangers haven't done anything in that time period. And we put another nail in their coffin. They're done. Trash. But rest in peace, TJ Oshie's dad. And I'm glad uh, TJ Oshie was able to put on that type of performance for him. You know, I, I love it. In, in honor of him and in his memory. But also... Rest in peace to the 2021 New York Rangers. The pearly gates is awaiting for you. You better preach, pasta. All right, let's get to the Nats real quick. The Nationals, they got swept by the Braves. I was hurt. It's like It was just like the Eagles losing to the Cowboys at the end of the season with a chance to win the division. But the difference here is that it is the beginning of the season. And I hate how the Braves come into D.C. and win a season series or or win a a series after a losing streak. This doesn't happen again. And this time, they swept. And the frustrating part about that is the last two games, it's only one inning that the Braves, like, kind of go off. In the first two games, they, they hit a grand slam. And then we couldn't get any run support after that. In this next game... We had an inning where we leave a bunch of people on base. This happened in game two as well. And once again, the Nationals choked. They got down 3-0, and they just couldn't get it back. It was annoying. So Atlanta comes into D.C. and sweeps. You've got to be kidding me. But but the Nationals responded. They responded and beat the Yankees twice. They blasted them the first night, 11-4, which I love. <clears throat> blasted them. Got a big, got a big hit from Josh Harrison. I think it was a home run. Yeah, got a home run from Josh Bell. Even Soto, even Soto, man, he not even a hundred percent. Even he getting hits. He got a home run. He got RBI. Killed him. And then yesterday, okay, yesterday, oh, we lost. Okay, yeah, Nationals lost yesterday. They should have won. They had control the whole game. Dog, Scherzer, Scherzer was basically Nas making ether. Like, he was just stone cold. He was in his bag. 14 strikeouts. 
like I was looking at this game and and the Yankees were fighting, but then Scherzer would hit him with a changeup or a cutter, and it was a wrap. And he was just punching people out. This was classic Scherzer. But because he got no run support, he made one mistake that ends up being a home run. And that's that keeps the Yankees in the game. And then when we take him out, we're struggling. And honestly, even then, this is a 2-1 game in the ninth inning. It's time to close it out. And we put in Brad Hand. Our acquisition, right? Our big-time acquisition closer. Chokes. Glaber Torres, RBI. Then we get another run in the next inning. Choked again. And then, and, and, and you know, choked again. Brad Hand gave up another RBI. And I'm just like, damn, man, we done wasted another classic Scherzer performance. This was almost like the game I went to against the Cardinals, except the Cardinals didn't score any runs, and we – uh held off on an early on an early surge from the Cardinals and we just shut the door. This year it's been starting pitching loafing and then the relief pitching keeping us in the game and giving us a chance at the end of the game. But the relief pitching in this game let us down, especially Brad Hand. Like, ugh. It just wasn't his day. He wasn't wasn't hitting you know, he wasn't getting the strikes he needed. And it was annoying. But these Nationals, man, I guess they're going to be inconsistent. They've lost four or five. Granted, yes, to the Braves and the Yankees, and they, they're pretty good teams, I guess. But, I mean, we had – I say out of them five games, we could have easily won three of them. And we could easily be on a hot streak and leading the division right now. But we're loafing. We're loafing. Not really getting anything from the bottom of the lineup. Pitching is suspect. It's, oh, man. Oh, my God. Yet, there's closer to 19 wins than they've been. At this point of the season, they're closer to 19 wins than they've been the last two seasons. So, that that's a positive. But, good Lord Jesus, man. What, listen, listening to this team on the radio and watching them on TV is stressful. Because they just make you want to pull your hair out. And I barely have any. You gotta be kidding me, man. They got the Yankees again today. Let's see what happens. Uh, they got the Phillies coming up. I should get a ticket to one of those games, but it don't look like I will. Um, I'll be at another Nats game. I just gotta look at the schedule and see which one I want to go to. But Scherzer, are 14 strikeouts. It's a pleasure to watch this guy. He's my favorite player in the league. I, I, I love this guy. Every time he pitch, you know, I pretty much he got my attention. <laughs> He makes watching baseball fun. Oh, now, okay. See, now we're talking about the Wizards. See, I'm going on this DC carousel, and eventually I'm going to talk about the Washington sitcom. But basically, so the Wizards beat the Raptors in a classic. They beat them in a classic. Um, Van Vliet did his thing, and Siakam had 40-something points. It was a hell of a game. You know, I... I listen to, once again, because I be doing lift, I listen to the end of it on the radio. Uh, when Fred Van Vliet hit that shot and I had a passenger in the car, I had to hide my reaction. I was like, God dang it, man, how? I was like, I, I just made my facial reactions. 
instead of just full out, you know, cursing and stuff. But he hit that shot to tie and send it to overtime. And I was like, we let this one slip away. I mean, well, Toronto had control most of the game, and then we had a monster fourth quarter. And we had the lead, and we had control at the end, and then Bradley Bill misses free throws, and Robin Lopez missing free throws. And I was like, come on, man. Same thing in overtime. Bradley Bill got that and one and put us up five or six. But we still let him come back, still let him hang around, still missing free throws. And they got it to a point where they were down three. Where they were down three. And Siakam still had a chance to tie the game and send it to another overtime. When he got that chance, I I was like, I was nervous. And then he missed. I, I let out the biggest sigh of relief. I was so happy. But hey, I'm telling you, the Wizards are going to be something to deal with when you got Raul Neto scoring 25 and you got Robin Lopez scoring 24. And Daniel Gafford's really efficient off the bench. Like, unbelievable. And you already know Westbrook get a triple-double literally every night. Every night. Speaking of Russell Westbrook, what happened the next day? If that wasn't if that wasn't enough, what happened last night? Played the Pacers again. And Russell Westbrook finally tied Oscar Robertson's record. I said he was going to get it before the season was over. I can't remember the last time he didn't have a triple-double in a game. It's been a while. He is going off. And honestly, like I said before, he is going to finish his career with at least 330, 350 triple-doubles, and no one's going to catch him ever. As long as his body holds up, ain't nobody going to catch – no one's going to catch that triple-double record that he's about to set. He's going to pass him – the next game, whenever the heck that is. <laughs> I should know as a fan, but I do not. We don't have many games left. I just know we got Cleveland soon, and that's pretty much all I know. But <laughs> the season's almost over. The playing games start on the 18th. We don't have many games left. So uh, I'm pretty sure the next game we play, he's going to break the record, and it's going to be a big deal. And I hope. And I hope the game is at home, to be honest. I really do. Because our, our fans our fans deserve to witness history. After all we've been through and stuff, after all we've been through. But I just realized, I just found out that the Wizards have four games left. And two of them are at Atlanta. And the last two are at home, but... We're probably going to break the record in Atlanta because the Hawks still don't really play defense. Trey Young cannot guard Westbrook. Trey Young and Westbrook, two of my favorite players in the league, I know that Trey Young cannot guard Westbrook. So it's going to be tough for the Hawks to keep Westbrook from breaking that record. And the same thing, and even if they do, they got to play them again the next day. We got two in Atlanta, back-to-back. Ain't no way, bro. The way we rolling right now, I know Atlanta's the better team. They've been the better team all season, and they blew us out the last time we played them. Um, It doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you right now, it doesn't matter. We're going to get them. We're going to get them, and the record is Russell Westbrook's. And now, next year, starting next year, he's going to run away and hide with that record. I'm just saying. I mean, okay, records are mean to be broke, meant to be broken. Who knows? Someone down the line 
might break Westbrook's record of which I'm what I'm projecting to be 300-350. They could, but I, I doubt it. But good win by the Wizards again last night. Bradley Bill had 50. I t- I'm telling you, Bradley Bill is playing like late 80s Jordan, and people are asleep. People weren't asleep when we were losing. Like, he was scoring all these points we were losing, and everyone was just saying everyone only cared because they want Bradley Bill on their team. But you cannot get Bradley Bill. I told you that back then, and I'm going to tell you that now. He's on the Wizards, and he's coming for your team. In the playing game, in the playoffs, he's coming for your beloved Nets. He's coming for your beloved Sixers. It's going to be an upset. Okay, I'm not 100% sure about that, but we'll see. (laughs) I'm telling you. And that brings me to, um, okay, before I get to that, before I get to the Bradley Bill, Steph Curry scoring title battle, I got to look at the box score once again. Raul Neto, after having a career high, of course, in typical average role player fashion, he goes 0 for 4, 2 points. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Uh, Westbrook had 33 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists. This guy is unreal. This guy, oh, seven turnovers, whatever. 15 assists, seven turnovers. I could take that. That's fine. One steal, two blocks. This guy is unbelievable. This guy isn't real. <laughs> he got better as the season went along. As he got healthy, he just became a cyborg. And then, you know, when I was watching the highlights, I saw that Bertans hit, you know, in overtime. I did hear this on the radio. Bertans hit a really clutch three because we got down four and looks like we weren't going to stop Karis LeVert, who's a beast. I love Karis LeVert. We weren't going to stop him. He was having one of them games like he had in the bubble last year. I mean, look at this. He had 35. He was 12 for 30, but still, he had <laughs> he had 35. He was having one of them games, but Bertans hit that three to get us to one, and then we make a defensive stop, and then Westbrook just took over, and he had that block at the end. Oh, my God. Westbrook is just cold, man. But I don't think we're in that position without that Bertans laser, laser. You already know. Thank God for Bertans. Thank God for Westbrook. Especially at the end, Westbrook was just the realest. The Pacers lost to the realest because he just didn't care. Like He wasn't losing. And I love it. I'm so glad he is on this team. Period. All right. And, and you know what? Bradley Bill... Would have had more than 50 if he didn't get hurt. He didn't really play in overtime. So Steph Curry is lucky because he had 49 in 29 minutes. He was lucky that, A, he played the Thunder, and, B, Bradley Bill got hurt. I think at the end of the day, Steph Curry, unless he, like, completely falls off the next four games, I think think Curry is going to have the title. Especially if the Wizards clinch playoffs and they rest Bradley Bill, he'll he'll get the title, man. Um, if so, hats off to him. It's gonna be by percentage points. 
Bradley Bill had that monster start of the season. Steph Curry had the monster end of the season. And, you know, and they and they collide and one has 31.9, one has 31.1. Like it's just them guys have been incredible and I hope they're both all NBA cuz they've been I mean, I don't know what Curry was doing in DC when they came to play the Wizards, but other than that, he's just been going off and has multiple games. Just like, you know, Westbrook with the triple-doubles. It's amazing how Curry has all these games with 10 plus 3 made. Like these guys are unreal. These guys aren't These guys are fiction, man. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh man. All right, what's next, bro? So the Eagles added Carry On Johnson. Okay. Let's get into some quick takes. That's one of them. Let's get into some quick takes. You already know. Easy. So the Eagles got Carry On Johnson, someone who I really liked when he was coming out of Auburn, and it looked like he was going to be that next big running back for the Lions, but all the injuries and the Lions ineptitude, the combination of those things just really hurt Carrion Johnson, and he just got buried in a depth chart once they added Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift. It was just DeAndre Swift's the man now. He was pretty much what Carrion Johnson was supposed to be. And you know what? It's, it's okay. Like, Injuries happen, but now he's with the Eagles. But my thing is, we got Miles Sanders who can potentially be a top five, top ten running back. Some people think he is now. He already is. So I'm like, damn. It's easy to think like, wow, Miles Sanders is going to get less carries now. But to be fair, though, Miles Sanders has been injury prone. So we gotta think about that. Like I I don't think he hasn't played sixteen games yet. So why not add to the depth? But check out this depth chart though. You got you got Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard. I don't know why we, we signed Jordan Howard again. Like round two, huh? <laughs> I'm to be honest, he was good for us the first time. So I and he was good for us for the most part. He just didn't get the ball that much. I'll never forget him destroying the Packers. But <laughs> nevertheless, we got Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, that game well kid from Memphis with the classic block against Micah Parsons. We got Carrion Johnson and Boston Scott. And who knows who else after Boston Scott? We got all these running backs. But Sanders is the guy. And I had to realize that I'm kind of biased because, you know, I got the Eagles on online Madden and I just run Miles Sanders to death and I got him to superstar twice. I got him to superstar death trait twice. So I know how important he is and how good he can be. But I got to realize that real life ain't Madden and the guy's injury prone and you can't hurt. It doesn't hurt to have death at the running back position. So... I, I really hope that Miles Sanders still have a really good season and that he breaks out. But I, I guess I just got to realize, though, that this is the NFL, man. And we – death isn't a bad thing. <laughs> Especially when you're now playing 17 games. I'm not sure if that was a quick take, but whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, the Washington sitcom, a.k.a. the Washington football team, uh, already – 
the minute the Aaron Rodgers news dropped that he might leave Green Bay, all, all I heard all week was, how can a Washington football team get him? How would he look on this team? That's all I heard from the radio guys. And it's like, God damn, you're not getting Aaron Rodgers. Look at what, what you, this is what you have to do just to even get the conversation going. You got to have three first round picks, probably two second round picks, Chase Young, Terry McLaurin. And even if you don't trade Chase Young and Terry McLaurin, you got to come up all some of them D-line guys. You ready to do that? Oh, they're going to be like, oh, for, for Aaron Rodgers, of course. For a few years of Aaron Rodgers. Now, that's funny. On 106.7, the fans, someone said, we win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but then what? Then what? I mean, the you play to win the game. You get the Super Bowl, that's great. You try to build on that, but... They were like, we only have Rodgers for a few years, and that tanks us in the future. Bro, y'all not even getting Aaron Rodgers. I'm telling you this right now. He's not going to want to go there. And even if he does, he might refuse to play for y'all. And then it's like, <laughs> y'all really, some some Washington football fans or sitcom fans don't like Aaron Rodgers and his attitude. So y'all really ain't going to like him if he come here and be like, no, nah, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. Just Just release me, bro. Like, I'm not playing. I can't play for this team. And you think he had problems with the front office at the Packers? Just imagine him in the front office in Washington. That's the big. That's the one of the biggest parts of the sitcom is the front office and the moves they've made over the years. But you know, it's just every time a big name quarterback is available, the guys on the radio and on social media are going to talk about it. Because, you know, this team is desperate for a quarterback. They believe that that's the missing piece, and I guess it is because they believe they have this all-world defense. And to be honest, man, it's pretty good. However, when you play a good offensive team, and I've seen this. I've seen them against Cleveland and Tampa Bay and Arizona. Once you can get that front four block, that back seven is vulnerable. They're not as good. They're not as good because you didn't take away the strength of their team. That's all you got to do to get to that defense. Even my terrible Eagles, the second game, gave that team problems because uh, Jalen Hurts was able to run around a little bit and kind of slow down and kind of, you know, not slow down the pass rush, but kind of, you know, make their pass rush less effective. And that's the key to beating the Washington sitcom the way their team is constructed right now. But, no, you're not getting Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> um, Let's see what else. Uh, FCS playoffs. So, South Dakota State beat Delaware. Remember, Delaware <laughs> beat Delaware State. I talked about that two shows ago. I didn't know how far they can go, but the little bit I saw of them versus Dell State, I wasn't that impressed. But yet, they were undefeated. They were undefeated, and they struggled to beat Villanova, too. And they finally ran into a team that was playing no game. I mean, Delaware, I forgot who they beat, but they definitely upset somebody. They did upset somebody. It was Jacksonville State. They beat Jacksonville State at their place, 
Then they got then they had to play the South Dakota State number one team in the country who beat North Dakota State. Number one team in the country. And they died. And looking at the stats, you would think, oh, okay, South Dakota State won the time of possession. Oh, maybe they had some turnovers. Nah, man. Delaware only had one turnover. But they only had like hundred something total yards of offense. It's just what I think was happening was South Dakota State was getting them short fields and they were punching it in. And to be honest, um, South Dakota State, they only scored six points in the second half. And Delaware, I saw them moving the ball when I was at Chewy's, uh, Chevy's. Yeah. When I was at Chevy's eating Mexican food, I was looking at them. And they were moving the ball, and they got stopped on fourth and one. Like, stuff like that, man. Like, South Dakota State was just a better team. And it looks like their season is coming together, and it looks like the dream season is going to happen. And then on the other side, I barely got to watch this game. But Sam Houston State came back from down. They were down 27-3. to it was 24 to 3. They were down 24 to 3. And then they had a monster third quarter and all of a sudden it's 31-27 Sam Houston State. And then they scored again in the fourth quarter and James Madison tried to rally. See James Madison another one of these powerhouse FCS teams. And then it it was too late. You know, James Madison couldn't couldn't come back in the fourth quarter and Sam Houston State won. So now we get one versus two. Sam Houston State versus South Dakota State. I can't wait, man. It's next week at 2 o'clock. I'm not going to get to watch it because I'm going to be – well, no, 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 no. It's on a Sunday. It's on a Sunday. So I'll make sure I get to watch it. I might have to do what I'm doing or I usually do on Sunday earlier or later. But I'm going to try to watch that game for sure. All right, what else we got? Let's see. Okay, I already talked about Curry versus Bill. So that's enough for the quick takes. Let me get to the greatness of Joy Taylor's social media market marketing. So this is the second edition of the greatness. I promise you I'll come out. I'll come up with an intro for that soon. Don't worry. It's coming. But um, the second edition of the greatness series. Now we look at the greatness of Joy Taylor's social media market. So Joy Taylor's beautiful. She's been on my crushes list forever. I think she's been, she's number one on the latest edition, and it's just a it's just a genius to her Twitter account and maybe on Instagram too. I haven't really been on Instagram, but I'm sure she's doing well on there too. She just how she leverages her followers and social media attention to get more views on the herd because she's a co-host on the herd with Colin Cowherd. Dog, every day she posts a, a really nice-looking pic of her before the show starts, and it gets so much interaction and comments, especially from simps. <laughs> I'm, I'm a low-key simp of hers. You know, I don't be, you know, commenting on her stuff like that. But I, I be simping on the low, on the back in the background. But, yeah, uh, that... That gets a lot of interaction more than any of her sports posts or which is crazy or even her other thirst posts. 
that gets the most interaction. And I'm like, damn, bro. This is genius how she just does that. Because, like, because she gets a lot of neck. She blasts people who talk negative about her and that harass her. But she don't have to do that. She could completely shy away from social media just because of that. But she uses that. Put them on blast. And if someone really gets out of line and it really gets a lot of attention, she got the simps. She got the simps having her back. She got other female sports media personalities that that love her and that got her back. And all this, just to, you know, increase her followers, increase eyeballs on the herd just to look at her and that means more viewers more money more advertising money more money for everyone involved with that show and everyone's happy living in la you gotta love it you gotta love it that's that's a great game plan that's a great game plan and you know props to her props to her and colin coward being so active on social media and just increasing their followers and keeping their show relevant. Now that's that's what's up. I, I love it. I love it. It's inspirational, you know. Hopefully I can get my own stuff going. Hopefully I can, you know, improve the brand like that. It ain't gonna be no no thirst traps out here, but <laughs> I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make some shake, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna make some shake. <laughs> Alright, real quick before I get into the sooner sooner schooner. Here's why Kevin Samuel, you could kind of put this in the greatness segment, but I, I, this is something else. Okay. Or maybe not. Why Ke- Kevin Samuels is on the GOAT level. He just, he always, if you watch Kevin Samuels, he's basically the red pill, manosphere, player of the year. <laughs> basically. He's the manosphere player of the year. Classic red pill content. Lately, he's just been going on live, uh, probably IG live, and just interviewing or having a debate with uh, women, and he is just straight up flaming them, bro. Flaming them. He'll tell you if he's fat. He'll tell you if you're fat. He'll tell you if you're dusty. He'll tell you if you don't have the right plan in life. Like, <laughs> and you can't, and he's impossible to talk over. Like, he's going to get his point out in such a way that is so just, you know, well thought out and eloquent. It's just, and this guy always wears a suit, bruh. Always. <laughs> this guy, man. This guy, just his, just his demeanor, his confidence, and just how he's growing and how he's, he goes on all these platforms. And he does these interviews, and and he was on the Fresh and Fit. I was just looking at that, the Fresh and Fit podcast, and he was going back and forth with, with these three women, and he was bodying them. And and he was he wasn't just saying some nonsense. He's coming with stats and and facts and all that. It's like God damn. It's just like he's just listen. He he he's che- he checks these he checks women and um he's trying to inspire men to be high value and he's trying to hold women accountable so they can be uh, a good complement to a high value man. I think that's pretty much the point of his content and it's very entertaining. 
I'm always laughing when this guy is on my screen. Like it's just he's just a goat because he just don't he just don't care. Like he just don't care. Like he is just cold. Like Steph is cold. <laughs> he's just cold. He nice. He got that swag. He keeps the same energy every time. You know what I'm saying? He don't back down from anybody. He takes on all challenges. It, I mean, what is an L to him? What is an L to this guy? He just takes that L, and it's just like, you keep on moving. If he takes an L, he just gets a whole bunch of other Ws when he posts some more videos. Post. <laughs> and it's just, man, it's just everyone that, you know, watches him. A lot of people that watch him is inspired and entertained and he and, and that's the that's the thing he makes people around him better just like the greats do so he's on a roll he's having a hell of a 2021 i don't know what the future is from this guy but the, the come up from this guy is just incredible and he's kind of inspirational no matter what he's inspirational and polarizing like a lot of people don't mess with him when you're saying when you're saying controversial like non-PC stuff, you're going to be polarizing and you're going to toe the line and you're going to piss people off. But he welcomes all critics. And that that's, that's dope. All right, but now let's get into a sooner schooner. What I forgot to mention last show was that I watched in, in Columbus with my man Zach, I watched the Oklahoma State game, the baseball game, and OU had won the first two games. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, including a beatdown, one of those games where they won by like 10-plus runs. But then they turn around, national TV, they had the lead, then it, it turned into a battle, and just like the Nationals versus the Yankees, you have a chance to close close it out. And these guys choke. They gave up a run where they don't throw the first base to get an easy out. They throw the second, and the throw was bad, and it let the runner score, and we go to extra innings, and they choke, and they lose by one. And it's like, you can't afford losses like that when you're barely on the bubble to get in the NCAA tournament. And then if that wasn't enough, I kept saying the whole time I was watching that, I was like, you know what? They still have a chance to make the tournament because they play Texas Tech four times, and Texas Tech is the number eight team in the country. So they have a chance, and they got the the Big 12 tournament. Man, these guys turn around and lose to Texas Tech by 10, a game where they gave up four home runs. They lose to Texas Tech 14 to 4. Oh, oh, but then but then it gets better. They come to Morgantown. Morgantown, okay. West Virginia's okay. They're not a tournament team from what I heard. They lose seven, they dropped the opener seven to one, and they only had three hits. Wow. They played uh West Virginia yesterday, and it's like they were losing that game, too. They did try to uh, make it close at the end. And I'm, I'm checking on what, 
Okay, there we go. So they came back in that game, and then they won the next game. Thank God. So they had a doubleheader where they were losing at first, and then, you know, they was losing the first game. They came back and won, and then they won the second game. So they take the series. That was clutch, but still. Got work to do. So I assume they're still on the bubble. You got Texas Tech coming up. You got to do better than what y'all did earlier this week. Because that was crazy. Y'all wilding. Y'all tripping. And there's sixth place in the Big 12. So let's see how that goes. But now for the main event, though. <laughs> the softball team. 40-1. and 30-run rules. And I just found out that they had 30-run rules. That is insane 30 run rules they lead the country in every major offensive category like home runs and rbi and slugging percentage and runs batting average all that stuff it's like man but the problem is oklahoma state number nine in the country they only lost one conference game this was our toughest competition the collision course finally collided in Stillwater. You knew they were going to be hyped. Now, now Oklahoma State hasn't beaten us in 10 years. The last time they beat us, I was a freshman. Because I'll never forget. Because I remember that Oklahoma State that season went to, or maybe it was the season before, they went to the Women's College World Series. So I knew that. And, and this was a young Oklahoma team with a young Kalani Ricketts. So that team wasn't there yet. So, of course, I can see how they won in 2011. But after that, we straight up dominated Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State didn't get good again till 2018, 2019. In 2019, we was in a similar situation where both teams had one or no conference losses and – the winner of that series would win the conference title. And last year, and when this happened in 2019, Oklahoma softball swept, and they won the conference title regular season, and then they won the tournament easily. So I was expecting the same thing, but not so fast. Not so fast. Oklahoma State took game one. Credit to them. They Their first win against OU in 10 years. I knew this was the year that they could do it. Because I was like, this is the best Oklahoma State team I've seen in my life as far as softball. So I knew this was going to be a tough one. And they got an All-American candidate in the in the circle, uh, Carrie Everly, and even though she was in the circle, she got tagged for four runs. And still, their offense stepped up. Their offense stepped up, and, you know, they tagged G. Juarez, and they got three home runs off of her. They got another home run off of whoever came in in relief. And then, you know, Grace Lyons and Jennings went, 0 for 4 and 0 for 3. Yeah, that'll do it. So they won 6 4. They got game one, but then OU came back and won 6 4 the next game. You know, Jocelyn Allo had a clutch RBI. 
Like, and, and now we get into a winner-take-all. Whoever wins today on Mother's Day, a day, you know, usually OU blasts Oklahoma State and keeps it moving. Maybe they'll still happen today, but whoever wins today gets the Big 12 regular season title. You got to love it. This is what we're here for. This is what we're here for, man. <laughs> you got to love it. Oh, man. But um, winner takes all. Hopefully the Aces get to pitch again. If not, you know, both teams got great depth, and we'll see what happens. But Sooners, 40-2, and 41-2. Sucks they lost Oklahoma State, but you got to give them credit. This is one of the best Oklahoma State teams I've ever seen. <laughs> Period. But now it's time for the hypothetical game. Of the episode. In honor of Dr. Umar and Kevin Samuels battling it out last week over Instagram and social media, I have to make them the hypothetical game of the episode. I don't know. I, I could have did boxing. I could have did UFC, but we're going to have these guys do an all-star NBA skills competition. Wouldn't that, now that's just hilarious. Watching those two guys, middle-aged guys, try to dribble a basketball and make passes and try to make shots. I'm sure that's hilarious. But nevertheless, we got a battle. Uh, Dr. Umar, if you don't know who he is, he uh pro back, pro, uh, okay. Dr. Umar, pro-black, African, pro-African, polarizing, polarizing figure in the black community with uh, the stuff he says about, you know, black people and other races. And I'm just trying to summarize the best I can. (laughs) The guy is nuts. (laughs) He's hilarious, too. Some of the stuff he says is legit. And some of the stuff I'm like, man, this guy's crazy. His main thing is trying to build a school for for African kids. And I haven't, it hasn't happened yet. I don't know what he's doing, but whatever. I enjoy all the memes and and, uh, clips about this guy. They just give me life. Same thing with uh, Kevin Samuel, the red pill dating coach superstar. So anyway, here we go. Skills competition. Let's see how this goes. So like the latest format, they got both of these guys lined up side by side. And you got the, the NBA logo uh, barriers. You got to dribble around. Then you got to pass it through the net. And then you got to make a layup on one end and then make a three on the other end. So here we go. So from the start, Kevin Samuels dribbles around the NBA logos pretty easily. But he struggles to make the chest pass into the hole. It takes him four tries. Dr. Umar, by some miracle, gets it in one try. But then he goes to he goes to attempt a layup and he misses it. But he grabs it and he puts it back in. And Kevin Samuels catches up, easily makes the layup. And then Dr. Umar gets to the three-point line before Kevin Samuels and 
he's missing threes. They're both missing threes. Air balls, bricks. It's not going well for these guys. But Kevin Samuel finally gets one to go, and he wins the hypothetical game of the episode. He wins the skills competition, and he gets bragging rights in their little debate. You got to love it. You already know. That's the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. And you know that I'm out. Peace. Oh, psych I lied. Psych I lied. You got to remember that. Westbrook and Bill. When we have Westbrook and Bill, anything's possible. When Westbrook and Bill's for you, who can be against you? And don't forget about Davis Bertans coming in late in the midnight hour. Come on, choir. Shout out to Fred Hammond. So you know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.